Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the TM Up podcast. I'm joined here, as always, by my co-host and my partner, Jarrett Huff. Jarrett, rough week for the Bulls. COVID protocol. How's it all going over there? Well, man? I got to say, it's a rough week, and it keeps getting rougher, uh, especially with the latest news. As of uh, the last 25 minutes at the time of recording this, it was just announced by Woj that Zach Levine is going down with COVID protocol, Ooh. followed right after that by uh, Casey Johnson reporting that uh, Troy Brown Jr., is also going down. So, oh, uh, man, it's not it's not a good week right now. Not a good. Uh, well, I guess Sunday is a start to a week. I usually view Sunday as still the end of the week. So however you view it, it's a good start or a bad start or a bad end either yeah. way. Oh, wow. Yeah, it has not been a good week for the Bulls, but it has not been a good season for the Indiana Pacers. We want to lead off with them and what's going on in Indiana, man. They haven't gotten off to a great start. Currently sitting at 12 and 16, which is good enough for 13th place in the Eastern Conference. So reports have now indicated that they will be open to trading pretty much anybody on the roster. So anybody can come and make an offer. So, Jarrett, what do you make of these reports? And would Indiana be making a mistake to trade away these guys or what's going on here? Um, I think it's what Indiana needs to do at this point right now. Uh, if you look at the roster, um, it's really it's not a team that's going to contend for a championship. They don't have a true star player that's going to carry them in the playoffs. Uh, Demontis Sabonis is a fantastic player, but he's yeah. not, in my opinion, a true number one option, at least not yet and probably not ever. Um, he'd be a great complimentary piece to a contender, no doubt, like Oh, he would be he would be great on so many teams. And mm -hmm. I really want to see a team that's contending pick him up. Um, Carissa Levert is another great scoring option that you could have off the bench or in your starting lineup. Um, Malcolm Brogdon's a really solid point guard. Like they have a lot of players that would benefit a lot of other teams, but together they don't make really a whole team. I mean, the past couple of years after like when they had Victor Aladipo still, they were an interesting team, but now that Aladipo is gone. They, they really have nothing to contend with. And at the same time, Rick Carlisle's first year as a head coach, um, he's not really playing Sabonis like the kind of player or like how you'd expect him to be played. So I think it's in a point where you got a new head coach, build a team in his image because it, Carlisle could be there for the long haul. Um, and I think that's just what the team needs to do, just rebuild. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hope everybody gets traded as soon as possible. I think so many times these teams will just hold on to these players that have some sort of talent and they just kind of hope that they'll draft the next superstar with whatever pick that they have coming up and then they'll have these players to put around them. But it's, it's, just, it's not working. And we've gotten to the point with Indiana where it's, I think it's the smart decision. Obviously I don't think their fans would agree. I think it's a smart decision to blow this up, start from scratch, salvage what you can and get what draft picks you can. Cause you have a lot of talented guys in these rosters or this roster, you're not wrong. They're just not going anywhere. And the two guys I really wanted to focus on that you mentioned there, Demontis Sabonis is a great player. I mean, he's a former all-star. He's a guy not really having the best year so far, but I mean, the dude's averaging 18 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists a game while shooting 58% from the field. Like Demontis Sabonis to me, I, and you kind of threw out uh, that you love to see him traded to a, a playoff contender. And one thing that that I kind of thought about and I thought might be interesting for Sabonis, what about Golden State? Oh, what about no. Golden State for Sabonis? I know it's such a scary thought. Let's add another all-star to this team. But Demonis Sabonis for, let's say, like James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga, and, and maybe a pick. I think the Warriors say yes to that. I think the Warriors really like James Wiseman. Don't get me wrong. The guy is young, had a little bit of injury history, but – Demonis Sabonis would fill a need for that team that almost makes them 
unstoppable at this point. I mean, you add Demonis Sabonis to this roster, I think they're they're. I mean, they might already be the hands down favorites to win the championship this year, but I think they say yes to that. I don't know about you, but I think they say yes to that. I can see a world where they say yes, and I can see a world where they say no. I think yes. Uh, in terms of they really want to shore up themselves as a title favorite today and contend for a championship today. And I also see him saying no, because they still believe in Wiseman. They believe in Kuminga, yeah. who's shown great talent early on. Um, because I feel like the Warriors think with Kuminga, they potentially could have an asset that they can grow and develop playing alongside Curry and Clay Thompson that could kind of carry the torch once those two uh, start to slow down. And hopefully can make them a still competitive team in the West for years beyond Curry yeah. and uh, clay. So I see both sides of that coin. Yeah. I, I would love to see this happen. And the other one that's kind of interesting is miles Turner and miles Turner is kind of a sneaky, good player that a lot of people have not talked about in years previous. Cause he plays for the Indiana Pacers who don't get a lot of media coverage because let's face it. They have not been very good since those years with Lance Stevenson and Paul George, when they were knocking on the door and just couldn't get past LeBron in the Eastern conference. But Miles Turner, 13.7 rebounds, leading the league in blocks. He's got 2.7 blocks per game, so he's a defensive anchor. And one thing about Miles Turner, he's shooting almost 40% from the three-point line this year. He's all of a sudden, when he came into the league, was this, you know, more typical rebound, get a lot of boards, you know, could put up 10 to 20 points a game and block, but he's becoming more of a stretch big where he can go out onto the the three-point line and stretch out that offense, but – one thing that I was kind of looking for a trade partner for Turner because he kind of has such a unique talent. And one, I don't think it'll happen because it's not very often we see kind of stars get traded within the um, conference. But one team that could really use Miles Turner is Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets could really use Miles Turner. Or, like, I, I, I kind of tried to put everything together. Maybe the Pacers get something like a Mason Plumley. A P.J. Washington, who's kind of that young guy that maybe they feel like they can mold a little bit, maybe a pick or two, but that's one trade partner I could possibly see them having. I know the Hornets would love to add him to that roster because the Hornets, what they really need is a big man down low that can defend because they are not a defensive-driven team, and he would help as to anchor that defense. But another one that I would love to see happen, but I just don't think they have the guys, would the Lakers. The Lakers would love to have a guy like Miles Turner. It, it, it's almost uh, impossible for it to possibly happen. They just don't have the guys to send out. Um, you know, I put like a DeAndre Jordan and Austin Reeves and maybe a Kendrick Nunn if if the Indiana Pacers fell in love with either Reeves' potential or maybe Nunn's potential. But I just don't think they have what it takes. I know they would love to have Miles Turner, but they just don't have the assets to bring him and pry him from Indiana, man. I can tell you with 100% certainty that uh, – Indiana's not doing that trade. Um, oh, I know. Because I feel like anyone the Lakers would send out would probably like retire before they even got to Indiana. It's, Especially I DeAndre mean... Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's like, no, my, my career is cemented. I'm done with that. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, let's. Sorry, Laker fans. Uh, you won't be seeing him in a, a Laker jersey no. anytime soon. It, it's a dream, but it, they just don't have the assets, man. But yeah, this is – I just think the Pacers, they need to actually put their money where their mouth is and actually pull the trigger on some of these trades sooner rather than later. I don't think – they have to really wait till the you know trade deadline to get the best value that they can for these guys. I think these guys have proven over their careers the, the amount of talent that they have. I mean, Demonis Simonis has been an all-star in this league. I mean, it's been in the Eastern Conference, but there's times where he looked like he was going to be the next guy to kind of carry that torch, and he's kind of taken a little step back, but he's still playing at a high, cal- at a high caliber. So 
I think Indiana would be smart to make these trades, send out these guys, Karis LeVert, like you said, Malcolm Brogdon, see what they can get for those guys and just start to build for the future. No, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, this season's proved that the East, you can no longer contend no. Uh, for a playoff spot with a mediocre roster. Yeah. It, it's crazy. A couple of years ago, this roster would, would probably, it could be a second round roster. I mean, it's, oh, it's a good team, but this year is, it's just not going to happen. The East is just getting stronger and stronger. And, Oh man. So tough start so far for Indiana and a uh, tough news for fans of the new Orleans Pelicans, man, down in the big easy is Zion Williamson has reportedly suffered another setback in his recovery from foot surgery. It's now been shut down from all basketball activity. The big man has played a total of 85 games over his first two years of his career. And Jared, what do you make of his latest news and what does it mean for this young career? Well, this is a very tricky situation in New Orleans right now. Um, the franchise is always hasn't always been in the greatest position. I mean, we saw the Chris Paul years get squandered. We saw the Anthony Davis years get squandered. And now we're seeing this Zion uh, situation really not even get off the ground floor. I mean, he barely played half the season his rookie year. Um, he had a terrific campaign last year, and yeah. we haven't even seen him touch the court now this season. Um he put on a lot of weight this summer, which with his injury history is not a great thing. And it, I think it could be contributing to what's going on right now. I mean, these foot injuries, you have to be very careful with them. I mean, all your weights on, you're on your feet all day, you're moving and stuff like that. These injuries take time to heal. And in Zion's physical condition, it's, it's not great. I don't understand why this team hasn't focused more on his health, more on his diet, because he's mm -hmm. their number one asset. He's basically the only hope for the future, keeping this franchise in New Orleans, in my Without opinion. Without a doubt, yeah. Um, and it's they're in a very they're in a situation where he could be gone within the next two years because I, I honestly I don't think he wants to be there. I wouldn't be shocked if we see him in a Knicks jersey in a few seasons or something like that. Oh, in the Knicks, man. Um, it's just they have to figure out what to do because this is, this guy could turn their franchise around or he could sink it. Yeah. And I, I don't want to see Zion turn into the next bust. I I'm rooting for this guy. I don't want to see a Greg Oden situation where there's so much potential. It's clear in the present day and he just can't stay on the floor. And that's what sinks his NBA career. Cause I think we're starting to, we're starting to get close to that territory with this most recent news. Yeah, I, I think because of the various injuries that we've seen so far from Zion, it's definitely something I'd be concerned about if I'm a Pelicans fan. You know, I think the best thing for his development and his health is to be on the court as much as he possibly can. You know, you mentioned a lot of people are concerned with the amount of weight, which there's been conflicting reports where they've seen some photos that weren't exactly looking the best, and then some photos where he looked really good and in shape. So it's kind of interesting, and no one really knows until we see him on the court, and that's kind of the struggle. But this has been such like a gut-punching punching setback because it seemed like we were getting closer and closer to finally having him back on the court, and everybody wants to see he's become such a great player already at 21 years old. I think we kind of forget that is when he's been on the court, he's been record setting. Like he's played 85 games in his career, which is not a lot, a little bit more than a complete season, but he's a 25.7 rebound, three assist guy who's shooting 60% from the field. Mm -hmm. Like that speaks for itself. Like it's insane to be a 21 year old player to average those numbers. And I think that's why it's so frustrating where we see these young guys that have injuries. We want to see them on the court, but they don't show this type of potential. Everyone wants Zion to be on the court because when he is, he's one of the best in the league. And he's 21. 
like he's he was making an argument for some of the best like it technically wasn't his rookie year but some of the best numbers for people the age 20 in the history of the nba he was setting records he was out there his rebound totals were great his shooting totals were great and i mean no one shoots 60 percent from the field as that young of a player even if you're a big man and i completely understand you know that the best ability is availability and he needs to be on the court to prove that these injuries are not going to define what his career is but let's not understate the talent that we're dealing with here i mean he's probably the most and i don't think anybody would argue he's the most hyped rookie coming into the league since lebron like no one no one has been as hyped as this guy and he's when he's on the court he has lived up to that potential he's lived up to what zion williamson is supposed to be in this league and it's such a frustrating thing because fans across the league like no one i mean there's the pelicans do not have a huge fan base but no one around the league is like oh no it's good that he's not on the court everyone wants to see zion Mm -hmm. like zion is big box box office ticket sales all-star MVP type caliber caliber player and everyone just wants to see him on the court. And I think that's why this one is so frustrating because I thought we, or we all thought that we were getting closer to seeing him on the court again. Yeah. If I just, I think if this sign thing doesn't work out, um, honestly, I can see a world in where the, the new Orleans Pelicans franchise falls apart and yeah, probably gets shipped to Seattle. If there isn't a franchise in Seattle come whenever that time is already. Seattle or Vegas or wherever Seattle, the expansion Seattle deserves built. it first. They do. Well, they I'm, do. I'm sticking up for the Sonics. No, that's fine. It. I'm with that. No, but we will see expansions. We, we will. But yeah. Oh, there you go. Got to represent. Next, next great Seattle Supersonic, Zion Williamson. You heard it here first. I could, I like it. Nice ring on it. Definitely. Uh, so going back over to the uh, Eastern Conference. So we had a couple. Uh, the Eastern Conference's best teams got a chance to play each other this week. The Bulls traveled down to Miami to take on the Heat. Home team walked away with a 118-92 victory. So, Jared, you know, us being fans of these two particular teams, we know a little bit more than the average fan. So what's your takeaway from the Bulls side of things on this game? Um, well, for sure. I mean, even though the Bulls are missing more players, I think this definitely shows the gap in depth between the two teams where I think Miami's bench is a lot better than Chicago's, um, especially on both sides of the ball. I mean, we saw guys like Dwayne Dedman go off. We've seen guys over the uh, the past few weeks like Gabe Vincent and uh, uh, what is it? Is it Cody Martin? Is he the one that's on the heat? It's- uh, you no, know, Caleb. Caleb. Caleb, Caleb yes. Martin. Caleb had a, a big night against the Bucks um, a few mm-hmm. nights ago. So the, the Heat team continues to show that its depth is there. We're on the bull side of things, even though last night they're missing seven players, um, six due to COVID protocol. The only one that didn't have that listing was uh, um, Pat Williams, uh, mm-hmm. as he's out for most of the season with his wrist injury. Um, but I have to say, just from the bull side of things, something the NBA has to step in because this team – should not be taking the floor any night coming up. There are, I believe, eight available players with Zach Levine and Troy Brown Jr. going down half an hour ago. I mean, this team is in an outbreak, which I don't understand how this is happening. Like, how every day for, like, the last four days, a player has been announced in protocols. Every single day. Like, how is this happening? The whole team's uh, vaccinated. Several of the players now have booster shots. I just, I don't understand why the NBA hasn't stepped in already. I don't understand how, like 
where are the how are these players getting exposed? Yeah, consistently. Well, and I mean, from you want the protection, obviously, from the Chicago side, but then the, you got to think about the other teams that they're playing too. Mm-hmm. They're exactly. going out there and playing these other teams on a nightly basis, where they could, you know, possibly it's not their fault, but they could cause an outbreak with another team, and the next thing you know, you got you know three teams in the Eastern Conference that have, like you said, eight players on their roster. Yeah, my best guess is, and this is just complete hearsay. I remember when we were playing that Philly series a few weeks back, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Philly players kept going down. It was like Matisse Thibel and then Embiid right after that series was over. And then uh, Kobe White, I believe, went down not long after that. And ever since then, there's been like a string of injuries. I wonder if it's just getting passed from team to team or something yeah. like that. But the Bulls are definitely, it's the red flag in the league. And I don't understand how this can, like, clearly there's an outbreak amongst the team. I think the Bulls need to be shut down until everyone is cleared, everyone's tested, everyone's healthy. Because, A, you're not getting a great product on court. B, players are going to probably continue to go down with COVID and possibly spread it to other teams because, like, clearly all these players that are healthy one night are not healthy the next. The NBA just needs to step in. This, This is ridiculous. This shouldn't be happening. And it's scary. No. Yeah, I agree with you. And I was happy to see, obviously, Miami come away with the victory. But and I know everything that's going on in the Bulls side of things, you know, with COVID and, and, and things like that. But I was just to focus more on the heat side, because that's obviously the side that I put I'm in the camp of. I was happy to see that, you know, they're going through some of the same struggles, obviously not to the extent of the Bulls, but a lot of theirs is injury based. Um and I felt really good after this game. You know, anytime Miami is able to go out there without Jimmy Butler, without Bam Adebayo and walk away with a victory, to me, it's going to be noteworthy because those are your main two, you know, guys that are they're going to be helping carry you to victory. Uh, I think this recent stretch is more than just, to me, justify the acquisition of Kyle Lowry. Oh, you know, he's... Of course. Oh, it's been insane. He has his ability to keep this team afloat with those guys going down. It's It would have been so easy for Miami to kind of just fall back down into the depths of the Eastern Conference right around that, you know, seven to, you know, heck, even like 12 range where all those guys are kind of sitting around the 500. You know, they, they've kind of taken a step back, obviously, with missing some of those people. But Kyle Lowry has really stepped up, and it hasn't been the numbers he's been putting up, and that's never really been about Kyle Lowry's career. He's just a leader. He knows how to get things done, knows how to win the game. Like we talked about in the last podcast with Chris Paul, he knows at the end of the game, he knows how to slow it down handle the ball and win a game. And Kyle Lowry has really been showing that. So I just want to give uh, two shout outs from that game to the Miami Heat. The first one you already mentioned was how about the big game from Dwayne Dedman? I was very happy to see that from him. That's exactly how you play, man. That was huge, Dwayne. I think, you know, games like he had on Saturday is why I was so excited that Miami re-signed him to be at a bio's backup. I think games like this is what he's capable of 20 points, 12 rebounds in 20 minutes. For us, that is huge. That is huge when he's able to put up those type of numbers. And lastly, welcome back, Duncan Robinson. I'm so happy that you're back on the Miami Heat. I don't know where you've been for the last few weeks, but games like that is what we need from Duncan, man. He's really been struggling to knock down the three, which is what he does. He's Duncan Robinson. He's starting, he's showing signs he's getting back to form. His team showed with the comments and everything that they've been saying, they have not lost confidence in this guy. They know what he's capable of, and they know that shooters go through slumps. That's okay. That happens. But for him to break out a team-high 26 points in only 27 minutes, 
He was five for nine on three pointers. He looked good. He looked like he was back to normal. This was just, it was pairing that with the win over Milwaukee that I definitely did not see coming. I not going to lie. I put turn on that game halfway through and I was like, Oh my God, we have a chance to win this game. It was a good overall. It was, it was a good week for Miami to stay alive with a lot of these key players, get a win over the bucks, get a win over the bulls and show that even without Jimmy Butler, even without Bam Adebayo, we're still not a team that you can look past. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, and I wanted to like circle a little bit back around to that Kyle Lowry point. I think Miami having those two alphas and Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry and personalities where once not there that night, Kyle Lowry is going to pick up the slack oh, yeah. with on-court leadership. And I think that pairing, perfect. Oh, yeah, and all those role players, that they're not going to get – they're not going to have an easy night if Jimmy Butler's not there because Kyle Lowry's still there. And he wants to win. He's not going to go out there and try to lose the game. He knows he wants another championship. He oh, got that championship yeah. in Toronto, and he thinks he has the opportunity in Miami. He's going to do everything he can to get the team there. So, now it was it was a good week for Miami. Not so good of a week there for Chicago, dealing with a lot of COVID protocols. But we'll have better days. <laughs> we will have better days. But um, so a lot of you, if you haven't been paying attention, which you probably have, but Steph Curry is insane. Um, just going to start with that. But Steph Curry is about to set another three-point record, and this is kind of the big one. He's currently seven threes away from passing Ray Allen as the all-time leader in three-pointers made. So, Jarrett, what would this record and what does this record mean for Curry's legacy? Um, Obviously, it's he's going to be uh, at the top of the record books one day. Uh, could we see a, another player pass him? Possibly someday. We, we don't know where the, the – if we're going to have another Steph Curry type player, because this generation has essentially spawned from Curry's style of play. Um, But it just reaffirms what I've been a big believer in for probably the last half decade, where Steph Curry is the best shooter in NBA history. I mean, and this record just affirms that Uh, I don't think he needs this record to prove it at all. He could retire one three pointer short of the record. And that, that statement stays the same in my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Curry is the best shooter in the history of the NBA. And what he's done cannot be understated. He's completely changed the league, and this record is just going to add just another notch under his belt that everybody knew eventually he was going to pass. It was just a matter of uh, when, not if. So he's going to absolutely shatter this record. He's going to do it with about 500 less career games than Ray Allen ever had. He already broke it as far as the playoff three-pointer records uh, factored in. You know, it's crazy. Like you mentioned, younger guys are just they're, they're coming into the league now where they're shooting such a high volume of threes. We see guys like Luka Doncic, Trey Young, who are coming in where they have the green light from the get that from the get go. And they're very talented players who have been practicing since they were in middle school to shoot these threes after seeing guys like Steph Curry light it up from beyond the arc. So now it's about how high can Curry set the bar? And I think. You know, there was kind of some telling comments on Draymond Green's podcast a couple of days ago where he said that, um, you know, Curry's obviously going to break the record. He's going to set the bar as high as he possibly can. Then Draymond said about five to six years after that, it's going to get broken. And the reason he said that is because guys like Trey Young, who they come in, they're shooting, you know, nine threes a game from their rookie season. Eventually, just the numbers are going to add up and they're going to pass Curry. But I was really hoping he would go off last night against the 76ers and knocked down 10 in the game against his brother. Uh, he obviously wasn't able to do that, but 
Um, you know, he will break it here in the next few days. I believe their next game is, is on Monday. So it'll be the day that you guys are hearing this podcast and he's still seven away. So it's a very high chance that he hits seven in that game. And if not, I'm sure he'll break it in the game after that. So just a matter of, of when, not if for Curry. Yeah. And I mean, going back to like these young players coming to the league with threes, um, I feel like every year some rookie breaks the record for most threes made in so many games. Like yeah. during Kobe White's rookie season, I don't know if you remember, he was like breaking that record like every other night. Yeah. Or it's like wherever, whoever makes these arbitrary records, like sets the bar, like first, like 10 games into 20 to yeah. 30. ESPN loves doing that though. Like, <laughs> you know, most points scored by a left handed shooter who's wearing a headband and wears an arm sleeve on just one arm. It's like, on a oh Tuesday my. with a blue yeah. moon. <laughs> oh my. Just anything they can have to put up one of those graphics, man. They're, they're the king at that. But the Thaddeus uh, Young will forever be my favorite. What was that? The Thaddeus Young graphic with uh, Jordan, Bird, LeBron, and Magic, where like he's the. The only player across like 900 something games to average like 14, five and five and two or something like that. It was, I'll find the graphics somewhere. Oh my. <clears throat> so moving on here, it's not very often that we go through a week without talking somewhat about Ben Simmons. And uh, this week is not going to be different as we're going to be doing that again. So reports came out earlier this week that Damian Lillard has a desire to play Ben Simmons on the Trailblazers. Other reports have stated that trade talks for Ben have picked up momentum throughout the league as well. So, Jarrett, will anything come of this, or is this just more talk? I mean, I feel like Ben Simmons has kind of been linked to the Trailblazers ever since the end of that series against the Hawks. Um, But it's always been a question of what Portland's going to give up and what Daryl will accept. Uh, I mean, of course, every single year, CJ McCollum is put into trade talks. I mean, Or CJ. He even made a joke about it on the Bill Simmons podcast. He's like, Bill, like every week you try to trade me. Like, what's going on, man? Um, and I, I think like all in all seriousness, CJ McCollum is the most likely trade piece this season. I think Portland's pretty committed to Damian Lillard to where in the event that Ben Simmons were to come to Philly or were, were to come to Portland, um, it wouldn't be Damian Lillard going the other way. Um, it would have to be some package attractive enough for Daryl Morey of, of CJ McCollum and some other pieces that hopefully in Portland's case wouldn't completely sink the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love CJ and I love Dame together, but obviously this, uh, this backcourt hasn't achieved what it should be achieving. And honestly, I think CJ McCollum would be a great piece for Philly. Um, he's a combo guard that could play both the point and the shooting guard. Uh, he can get you buckets real quick, and I think he's definitely something that Philly could use in a playoff series where we've seen in the past from Simmons, he's not going to be there for you offensively, whether it's getting uh, points at the bucket or it's shooting from outside. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we see him traded anytime soon, and the reason I see that is mainly just because the teams that he's been linked to in the Blazers and, and secondary kind of the Celtics that we've kind of heard some mumblings on. Uh, the Blazers – in an ideal world would want to get Ben Simmons and not give up CJ. I don't think that's a possibility. There's not a chance that Daryl Morey is going to, is going to not get Damian Lillard and not get CJ McCollum. Um, Obviously their commitment to CJ or sorry, to Damian Lillard is more than their commitment to CJ McCollum. They think that he's a better player overall, which he is a better player overall, but CJ McCollum is still a great player in his own right. Um, I agree with you that, that Philadelphia would be a good fit for CJ. I think he'd be a great number two as far as a scoring option. 
beside Joel Embiid. Um, I just don't see this happening. It's the Blazers will I just don't think Maury is willing to give Simmons to the Blazers without getting Dame. Dame is box office. And I just that's what Maury wants. And when Maury has his mind set on something, he's not going to take less in my mind. So I I don't see anything happening very soon. I understand we're going to see the reports of this trade talk is heated up and very well the next week I could be proven completely wrong. And I'm sure I'll put up a video of me going right here on this, on this little rant talking about how it's not going to happen. And then it happens. But um, the other team that he's been linked to the Celtics, just don't even get me started on the Celtics, man. They, they say they're going to trade for every superstar in the last 20 years. Um, and, but when other teams come to the table, the negotiating table, and they ask for Marcus Smart, they say that that's too much and we can't give that up. So Boston Celtics, they just they go around and around and around. They never pull the trigger on anything. Just trust me on that. Boston Celtics are not trading for Ben Simmons. It's not going to happen. I'm sure a lot of their fans would be like, oh, no, this is the one. Okay, well, Anthony Davis was the one. Okay, well, hey, even back to Carmelo Anthony was the one. Like, you're, Sorry, Celtics, it's not happening. But – uh, one surprising team when I was kind of doing some research on this that I saw is the Dallas Mavericks have kind of slowly kind of gained a little bit of momentum in this in these talks. Luca mentioned that he wouldn't mind teaming up with Simmons. I don't know how great of a fit that would be, Ben Simmons and Luca, but I haven't looked too much into what the Mavericks would possibly have to offer. I know they don't have a lot of young, super young guys that have shown a lot of promise besides Luca, which they're not going to get rid of Luca, but it could be interesting if with Dallas quickly, if Mark Cuban kind of stepped in and decided like, Hey, I, I want to make a move. We know he's made splashes in the past. So Dallas is a team to me to keep an eye on. I just don't think anything's going to happen here very quickly. I feel like Dallas would be interesting. I feel like they're kind of a, a franchise that's kind of gone stale at the moment. Um, they've really underwhelmed in free agency the last couple of seasons. They haven't put a lot around Luka Doncic. And I feel like that would be a move. Um, that would essentially be like, all right, hey, Luca, we're trying to commit to a game the team better. We're trying to shake things up and see what we can do. Um, I don't know, like you said, if that's the right move for Dallas, but yeah. it would definitely make them a little interesting. Yeah, I just don't know what they would have to give up or what they even have available to give up. I haven't looked too much into it, but do you one... think that... oh, I'm sorry. Do you think they'd want to take uh, Chris Stapps? Because that's no. really their only asset. Yeah. I don't think Daryl Morey takes Kristaps because I think he would look and say, I have the better Kristaps. I have Joel Embiid, where I know Kristaps is not a, he's not a banger down low by any means. He's, he's definitely more of a stretch, which he's more of a stretch four than he is a stretch five. He came into the league playing the four. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which I mean, he's seven, what is he, seven three or something like that, playing the stretch four, which he's huge, but he's also shown obviously with his injuries. Which say what you want about Joel Embiid, he came into the league injured, but since then has been fairly healthy. Like over since that kind of second year, and he's been great. He's been one of the best players in the league. But I, I don't think Maury would want that. I, I think Maury's looking for more of the wing uh, guard type of players that that can go and get a bucket, which is more like a CJ McCollum, which obviously a Luka Doncic, but he's not getting Luka Doncic. I tell you that much. But that's just kind of how I fall. He'll try. Neil, oh, Mer Maury will try without a doubt. But yet, so not we always talk about Ben Simmons. That kind of leads us into our buy or sell segment is come to love. So it's very simple. We have a few statements here, and then we're going to list if we are buying or selling what I'm offering to you. So we'll just get right into the first one because it deals with our man Ben Simmons. Is Jared, are you buying or selling that Ben Simmons will be traded before the end of this NBA season? 
Um, I'm willing to buy this one. Uh, I feel like it's definitely a trade where a lot of people might expect it not to happen. But at the same time, you'll wake up one day, look at your phone in the morning, Bleacher Report has the little siren eye emoji icons on their posts and Ben Simmons traded and you're like, wow. And I feel like we get one of those trades every single year. And I think uh, Ben Simmons is going to be that trade this season. So I'm buying that. Yeah, I'm selling that right now. I'm keeping a close eye on it, though. I still think Maury is not willing to lower what he feels that Simmons' value is and bring back less than what he feels is going to be a good trade. But if the number of teams that are interested continue to rise like it has over this last week where things have really caught fire and the momentum starts to rolling, I may be quickly buying this stock. But as of right now where we're sitting, I'm selling this. I just don't think any of those teams are going to pull the trigger. Uh, So their second one here, Jared, are you buying or selling my – my favorite team here. Are you buying or selling? The Boston Celtics need to make some drastic changes to their roster. Um, I'm going to sell that. Uh, it's their first new system in about seven years um, with the, their new head coach after Brad Stevens went to a front office role. Um, I think they do need a, a piece or two, but I don't think they need to do anything drastic if it's like trading away Jalen Brown or something like that. Um, I feel I think uh, this franchise can figure out how to get uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to work together. They're two fantastic young pieces that could be a formidable duo <coughs> for years in the Eastern Conference. Um, so I think they should ride it out. Yeah, I'm buying this 100%. The Celtics need to blow it up. I'm sorry. I will allow oh, them. Blow it up. Yep, blow it up. I will allow them. Tatum too? Nope. I will allow them to keep Jason Tatum. I think Jason Tatum is a great player, and he's still young enough that all of his potential is still in front of him, and you can build around him. Everybody else is on the table as far as I'm concerned. They need a breath of fresh air in this building. The Celtics, I know they pride themselves on being this, they're a legendary franchise and it's the history and I get that, but you feel old. They feel old as the Boston Celtics and you have to adapt. You have to grow to what the league has become. Jason Tatum is a star in this league. You can keep him, you can build around him, but you need to package some of these young guys And one of those, I know, picks or two, trade them away. It's going to be okay to get Tatum some real help. Take a chance, take a risk, and maybe, just maybe, strike gold with a championship. Uh, Our third one here, Jared, is are you buying or selling that last year's Knicks team was just a one-hit wonder? I'm selling that 100%. This Knicks team obviously is going through an awful stretch right now. They really don't know what to do with Kemba Walker. But at the same time, look where this Knicks team was around this point last year. They were, well, they were below 500, and then they made the Derrick Rose trade, and it essentially turned the team around overnight, and then all of a sudden they were in the playoffs against the Hawks. Um, Tom Thibodeau is a tough coach. I'm sure he's going to figure something out. Um, And Julius Randle going through a tough stretch right now, but I've seen what this guy can do against teams this season, especially my Chicago Bulls, where I don't want him to have the ball in his hands within the last two minutes of a close game. The man terrifies me, and I'm sure he's going to figure it out. I'm sure he's going to get himself out of the slump, and we could see the Knicks back to kind of where they were um, early in the season, but they can't let this fall too far out of reach just because this Eastern Conference, like we all said, no time to be mediocre because the teams at the top are starting to pull away. Yeah. I can't believe we're over three in agreement here, man. I'm buying this right now. They just don't look good. You know, like last year they were a physical team that really controlled and played their own pace on offense and they locked down on the defense end. And I'm just not seeing it. 
I'm not seeing it so far this year. They almost look like they're kind of just going through the motions where they, you know, last year it was like the Knicks are good again. It's exciting. The league is is so happy to see them back. Tom Thibodeau is getting, you know, his chance to, to run this team. And Julius Randle, everybody turned their back on him. And here he is. He's an all-star. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not feeling it this year, you know. It, and I hate to say this because he's your guy, but Thibodeau in the past has worn down players in the past with his, he's a tough coach. And a lot of people love that. They love that about him. He's tough on his players. But I just think maybe he's starting to grind a little bit on these players in New York, and they're just not responding. They were the way they were that first year. And I almost just wonder if this is just going to be, you know, is that one year the Knicks were good, and then they just kind of fell back down into the Eastern Conference. I hope it doesn't happen completely, but that right now I'm, I'm, I am buying that they're a one-hit wonder, unfortunately. Uh, the last one we have here, so – Jarrett, are you buying or selling that after he breaks this record, Curry should be considered the greatest shooter ever? Well, I just have to tell you, I bought this years ago. Like my stocks in this is looking pretty good right now. I, I could sell this tomorrow and I, I'll be living pretty good for the rest of my life. Uh, I Yeah, I've, I thought Curry by the time of probably after his first championship, indisputably greatest shooter of all time, without a doubt. I mean, he literally revolutionized, unfortunately, in just in terms of my love for the game, unfortunately revolutionized how this game is playing, where he basically eliminated any seven-footer that can't shoot, which yeah. I think is, in my personal opinion, to the detriment of the balance of the game. But regardless, he's changed how the game is played completely, and that's one man that did it. And that's definitely something to say. I don't know how anyone could argue against Curry being the greatest shooter of all time. And if you are, pull your head out of your butt. Yeah, yeah. I'm buying this all the way. Curry's done things beyond the three-point line that were just completely unimaginable before he ever came into the league. And he's done it with pretty much a regularity to it. I mean, I looked up – I was curious when he was, you know, 10 three-pointers away from breaking the record. I looked it up. And, I, you know, for so many people, that is such, you know, 10 three-pointers in a game. He, no one could ever do that. And I looked it up. He's done it 21 times in his career. So it was very possible he could have broke it the other last night. But uh, which, by the way, is an NBA record in itself, 21 times that he's scored 10 threes in a game. But, you know, this record is just going to justify what, in my mind, should already be considered a fact. And I didn't buy in as early as you did. I was still in the, you know, like, let's wait. Let's see if he continues it. But. Curry, without a doubt, best shooter that's that's ever taken the court in the NBA game, without a doubt. So, I definitely have to say this Curry three-point record watch, uh, it's definitely a lot of fun right now because yeah. Curry is highly motivated to break it. But at the same time, you see his opponents are also oh, highly motivated. Not, like, to, yep. like You saw what Matisse Thibel did. Oh, like, Philly did not want him, him to, down. No, did not want them to even have a chance to break it in Philly. Yeah, no. so it, it's def, it's fun for for uh, both sides if you're not a Warriors fan yeah. because I I, I kind of want to see Curry break it, but at the same time I'm all for watching him struggle to uh, to yeah, get. Yeah, it's to going it. to be broken. It's just about which team is going to give it up. And I think his brother Seth being on the 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 76ers with a little bit extra motiva- motivation. He's like, hey, do not let my brother break this record <laughs> on me in front. I'm sure their parents were in attendance. And just do not let him break it on me. But they they that were able to back push to it. the driveway. Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> Those guys have been going at it at each other for as long as you could possibly imagine. But uh, kind of move on here to our last segment, our favorite segment here on the TM Up podcast, and that's TM Up. So, Jarrett, who deserves your technical foul this week? I'm giving a technical foul to Solomon Hill. 
Um, he okay. went down with an injury this past week, and Buddy Healed, uh, his former teammate, uh, just kind of reached down and was like, "Hey, like, speedy recovery, man. Like, thinking about you. Uh, like, I hope all goes well." <laughs> and then um, Solomon Hill basically claps back and is like, "Appreciate it, but I hope all all is well with you. You're still in the Kings jersey, man." And uh, I mean that that's that's a pretty good burn i mean that's like sacramento king's social media level good Ooh. um but you didn't have to do your guy like that <sighs> i mean come on we, we're all aware how bad the kings are you don't you yeah. don't have to say it like that you don't have to put the man on blast after you reached out so i gotta tee up solomon hill for that but it definitely it was definitely some uh entertainment for me this week that's free free buddy healed man <laughs> definitely oh that's a good one the Lakers yeah, could have done it but they traded for russell westbrook yeah, <laughs> yeah um so I, I didn't have my team up until last night, and I was fortunate enough that uh, a game last night was able to give me a pretty good one, I, f- I think. I'm teeing up Contavious Caldwell-Pope, the Washington Wizards. And in their game last night, KCP, he went for what looked like he was about to be a poster dunk, a really emphatic slam. And um, as the camera kind of panned out a little bit, he slammed the ball into the rubber side of the backboard. He missed the rim, but not just – Missed a dunk. We see missed dunks. That happens. It's, it's you know, it's a game. But he just hit the side of the backboard. And he was, I mean, he had it cocked back. He was slamming it, man. But KCP, you're a pro, man. Like, you're a champion. Like, I don't know what happened on this play. I don't know, you know, it, things he might have just not been able to look up. He might have just tried to think he was, I don't know what happened. I can't even try to explain it. But this was not a good look. This was not a good look at all. And I'm sure he'll be making an appearance on Shaq in a full oh, two. Oh, for but sure. Sorry, KCP, man, but I got to tee you up for this one. This was this was an interesting look. And if you haven't had a chance, definitely check it out. It's all over social media. But KCP, former NBA champion, and now just slams it down on the side of the backboard. That was I don't a think that's one. ever happened, or at least I haven't seen it. Not that I've seen it. It almost looked like he was going for like a crazy dunk contest, like hit it off the side. and then, But no, he just straight up slammed it right into the side of the backboard. It was an interesting one. But uh, that's all we have for you guys this week. So we want to thank you all for joining us on the TM Up podcast. Be sure to check us out on at TM Up on all the social media platforms we'll be back next week with another episode we continue to get deeper and deeper and we're getting closer to those highly anticipated christmas nba games so thank you guys so much and have a great day and thanks for listening make sure to share us with all your family and friends